It's the football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Here's your host, AJ Nicoletti. What up? FFFSOSS.com. At FFFSOSS. Twitter, Instagram. Twitter, TV, slash AJ Nick3. Hopefully, everybody had a happy, healthy, safe Thanksgiving. Got your shopping done Black Friday. Got some shopping done Cyber Monday. Okay. Uh, but a big pod on this Tuesday edition of the show. Carolina Panthers fire Frank Reich. That's what we were talking about in the kickoff. First coaching firing in the NFL season. So that's what we'll do at the top of the show. Into our NFL Week 12 recap. College Football Week 13 recap. Then we'll talk some College Football playoff scenarios and stuff like that. Footy was back. So a weekend soccer recap into a Champions League match day five preview. And then we will do some college basketball at the end of the program into Zerai Bullocks and the pick six, which... Hey, not not bad there. Not bad there. So, uh, big, big pod on this Tuesday off the holiday weekend. Hopefully, everybody had a happy, he- safe, healthy you know, holiday. Um, and we got a big pod here. So, let's get right into it. Kick it off. Panthers fire Frank Reich. Chris Tabor is named the interim the special teams coach. Reich, his first season with the Carolina Panthers, 1-10 through 11 games, 0-6 on the road. After this stint in Carolina and previously with his experience in Indianapolis, he's 41-43-1 as a head coach. And get this one. According to ESPN Stats and Information, he's the first NFL coach since the 1970 merger to be fired in back-to-back seasons. There's only been six NFL head coaches since the merger who didn't finish their first season with their team. Three of those six instances have come in the past three seasons with Reich, And the Panthers, Nathaniel Hackett last year and the Broncos, and the year prior, Urban Meyer and the Jags cut it quits early in that season. So we hadn't had coaches not finish the season um, in their first team. Like, that doesn't happen usually yet a year, right? It only happened three times in the history of the NFL until the last three seasons where it's happened once each season. I mean, that's... That's insane. Once each season, there's been a first-year head coach that has been fired from their position. Think about that. Um, Absolutely insane. You look at it for Carolina. The owner, Temper, three coaches since 2018. He took over. He said, we're going to move on from Ron Rivera, who a very capable coach, a winning coach in this league, that's for sure. Uh, He moved on from him. So he hired Matt Rule. He fired Matt Rule. Wilkes was the interim. They didn't give Wilkes... Uh, the job instead they hired Frank Reich and now they have fired Frank Reich it's going to be the sixth straight losing season since Temper bought the team in 2018 for 2.275 billion since then the Panthers are 30 and 63 only trailing the New York Football Jets as a worse record over that period of time and you think, okay, you got a really bad team. At least you got your quarterback, Bryce Young. You traded up for him. He's your guy, right? Well, we got a, we got a good draft pick to help us out, right? No. You traded that going to get Bryce Young. So the Panthers continue to compound mistakes, right? Um, and I'm not trying to knock Bryce Young because I think Bryce Young can play at this level. I, I think he's been uh, handcuffed 
very much so by the circumstances of the head coaching and coaching that he's getting and also the roster building. Um, so just I'm not saying that Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, that's not fair. Like Stroud's having a great rookie year. Who's to say Bryce Young can't turn around and have a good year? Who's to say CJ Stroud next year stinks? Like, I don't know. I'm just saying, right? Um, point being, right? You let Ron Rivera go, fine. You want to start your own thing. He's a holdover from the old ownership group. You want to move on, fine. I understand that, right? Then you go to the college coach once, okay? Say, I want Matt Rule. It doesn't work out. He's back in college. So you say, okay, let me get an NFL guy that's at least had a job and maybe it's his second job that he has the success with. No, not working there with Frank Reich. And also, you committed so much to Frank Reich, whether it's, you know, Josh McCown and Deuce Saley, who also lost their jobs on the offensive side of the ball. But uh, unless it comes out that Frank Reich wanted C.J. Stroud, which I doubt is going to be the narrative that comes out if he wants another job again, he won't throw an owner under the bus like that, right? But if he's going to be like, I wanted Stroud over Bryce Young, well, that's another compound mistake because then you got the coach with the wrong quarterback that he wanted, right? So I for Carolina, you know, when I say Carolina Panthers, do you think success? Not necessarily. I mean, they've been to two Super Bowls. They lost them both. Um, DeLome lost to Brady and the Pats, and Cam lost to uh, Business Decision, uh, Denver Broncos, right? Um, so I don't think the Panthers are this great franchise that we're looking at them like, oh, how could it this be this bad in Carolina? I think it's just more of the same what, what we're used to in temper doesn't let the guy finish out the season. So, like, do you want to work for this guy? Do you want to go be the coach in Carolina after you've seen him throw away the coach that was there when he got there, hire a guy and give him some time, but then say, nah, you're out, you're out in the middle of the season. And now this third head coach, or the second head coach that he's hired, the third one he's let go, in the middle of the season they've only played 11 games. Now, don't get me wrong, they stink, and there hasn't been a ton of improvement, so I can understand where he's coming from as an owner, but also, you lay the groundwork for who's coming in next, and are you going to have the top candidates actually want to interview for your job? Are they going to say, okay, there's a couple other uh, positions that I like better with the roster makeup, and also, uh, the owner just didn't hire a coach and fire a coach in the same year. That doesn't really happen. So, I feel for um, real Panthers fans because, like, you get an owner that wants to be involved, and it's a good thing, but it also could backfire greatly. And if you don't have really instant success, the owner is going to meddle. The owner always meddles, especially the ones that want to win really bad. They don't just hire people and delegate they still think okay i brought this person in and since i brought this person in i can still give them my input no like you let them run their job right so uh you let them run their team so i don't know if i'm a top coordinator or a, a, another head coaching candidate do i look at carolina and say hey there's an opportunity for me to go be a head coach and turn around in a bad division maybe win a division next year if it all clicks right yeah, possibly. That would be the, the optimistic look. But if you look at it with, 
uh, the other colored glasses or a pessimistic look. You say, here's an owner who was in the locker room the other day after a loss, left, screamed the F word loud enough for reporters to treat it out. So, like, obviously he did it on purpose. And then the next day he fires the head coach. So, I don't know if you want to work for that guy. But the decision has been made in Carolina. Frank Reich is the first head coach to lose their job this season. His second NFL job. Again, he's the first coach to ever be fired back-to-back years. Just, like, you lose your job getting fired, you usually don't get another head coaching job, right? If you, Or at least you don't get one that season. You know, there's not... We've seen guys, you know, run out of contract or leave teams and then become coaches again, but, like, to be fired and then to just right away be on the negotiating, <laughs> like, the... The list of candidates to negotiate with, that's crazy. But, hey, I was right. They were wrong. Because, listen, Frank Reich can possibly be a good offensive coordinator. We've seen him have success at that position. But as a head coach, we have not seen that success. That's for sure. Um, All right. Let's do our NFL Week 12 recap. We had three games on Thanksgiving, a Black Friday game. We had games going all over. So nobody on the bye. Week 12 gets started with that Detroit home Thanksgiving game. And it was against Green Bay. And I said, okay. Green Bay is a franchise that's come into your building and absolutely pounded you so many years, right? Here's a time to give it back to them. What do they do? They don't. They lose. Packers win at 29-22 on the road. Love played well. Give Love credit. Uh, he hits Watson for a deep ball. That sets up a Love to read touchdown, so they're up 7-0. Then Goff to Laporta, a touchdown, the missed extra point. And that really hurt them, to be fair, because it wasn't tied. It was Green Bay winning still. Then Love, Kraft, connect for a touchdown, 14-6. Big play here. Goff gets stripped. Packers scoop and score. Missed extra point. So it's 20-6. Then Goff fumbles again. Packers fourth and one. Love runs into Dillon, so they get stuffed at the Detroit 14. Lions end up giving it back. Carlson field goal makes it 23-6. Packers. Lions turned over on downs. They had fourth and four at the Green Bay 35. Carlson missed field goal ends the half. So Lions escape there. And you're thinking, okay, maybe the Lions can put it together in the second half, what they did in some previous weeks and got some wins. And they got started on the right track. Montgomery touchdown, two-point play good, so they're down 23-14. Then they get it back, but fourth and four inside their own 25, they fake a punt, which was... I understand if you're like, hey, we need to get this ball back immediately. If we have this look, go for it. You're inside your own 25. Theoretically, this iced the game. Because three plays later, Love, Watson, touchdown, two-point play, no good. So even though it's not 31-14, it's still 29-14. So you're still technically alive, but if you just punt the ball and get a stop, like, look at where you're at instead. Um, But no, they don't do that. So it's 29-14, Lions, fourth and seven at the Green Bay 31, Goff fumbles. So they turn over on downs there. And then fourth and seven at the Green Bay 12, an incompletion turnover on downs. Lions get it back. Goff to Reynolds, touchdown, two-point play, good. So they're down 29-27, but the Packers recover the onside kick and seal it. So the Lions got, and again, why they're faking that punt is crazy to me because, look, they get it fourth and seven down to the Green Bay 31. They get it fourth and seven at the Green Bay 12, I'm pretty sure. So they had opportunities. Like, that wasn't their last opportunity. I just, I didn't like that play calling. I understand being aggressive, and obviously if it works out, it's different. But I don't know. I think you, you, you played... You played so aggressively to win that you 
cost yourself that chance instead of possibly increasing that percentage of winning and coming back in that game you crushed it all right afternoon game commanders and cowboys and dallas cowboys went at 45 10 uh, rico dowdle touchdown got the cowboys on the board a sly field goal cut the lead to 7-3 dak hook brandon cooks for a touchdown to make it 14-3 and a howell touchdown run Cut the lead to four again. Dallas up 14-10. Pollard touchdown, missed extra points. So the Cowboys are up 10. Commanders had a fourth and one at the Dallas 39. Robinson got stuffed. So it was a turnover on downs. Led to a Cowboy field goal. So it's 29-10. Then fourth and one at their own 34. Howell gets sacked. So they turned over on downs. Dak to CD. Touchdown, two-point play good. So it's 31-10. Then a fourth and four at the Cowboy 35. Howell incomplete. Turnover on downs. Cowboys hit. Another touchdown, it's Dak to Turpin in the back of the end zone, so it's 38-10. And then Deron Bland got another one, his fifth pick six. Howell picks six to Bland, 45-10 the final. And the Cowboys haters are out because when they played the Niners, they got their bell rung, and they played the Eagles, they lost the game, and they also lost a bad game to the Cardinals. But if you take out the Cardinal game, the Cowboys have beaten everybody I thought they would beat. And also, it's not just beating them, they're hammering them. So that's like what good teams should do against bad teams. If you're going to play bad teams, at least hammer them. And that's what the Cowboys are doing. So you have to give them credit for that instead of knocking them and saying, well, they haven't beat anybody with a winning record. That's not their fault that all the other teams stink. And also, here comes that stretch with teams with winning records. So we'll see what happens. But to just to say like, oh, they haven't played a team with a winning record. Well, because they gave the Giants two losses. Okay. So there's one team. Right? Um, they just gave the Commanders a loss. They gave the Chargers a loss. They gave the Rams a loss. So, I, I, to me, that argument of they didn't play anybody, and you can say, well, AJ, the Ravens haven't played anybody, and you knocked them. That's not what I'm saying. The Ravens are a completely different story. And also, the Ravens, when they played those two good teams, stepped up, and I gave them credit, and they drilled those two good teams, Seattle and Detroit, that everybody loves. So my point about the Cowboys is, I think the Cowboys are a very good football team. Have they shown it against uh, quality opponents? No, but I don't think the Cowboys made their schedule. So I, I, I really don't get that argument. Oh, they haven't beat a team over 500. It's week 12. That argument stops in like week 5. At week 12, that's not the Cowboys' fault anymore. I I don't... That I, what are we talking about here? They killed the Giants. They killed the Jets. They lost to the Cardinals. They killed the Pats. They got killed by the Niners. They beat the Chargers in a close game. They smushed the Rams. They lose the Eagles in a close game. They smushed the Giants again. They crushed the Panthers again, and they hammered the Commanders. It's not like they're playing. It's not like they're 0-5 against teams with winning record. They played two games. They lost both of them. Fine. But to be like, they haven't played anybody. what? That's not how that argument works. It's not college football when you can pick your schedule and you talk about strength of schedule that way. It's different. So I, I just don't want to hear, oh, the Cowboys are they're, they're, get, they're playing really bad teams and killing them. Finish the sentence. 
They're playing really bad teams and beating them. Finish the sentence. They're taking care of your business, their business and still people are trying to find flaws in their team. I'll tell you what the flaws are. They need to play better in big games. They need to be more disciplined in big games. Beating the garbage teams has not been the problem. So I, that argument annoys me. My, my point about the Ravens is different than that argument before people get on me about that. All right, nightcap. Niners handle the Seahawks 31-13. Niners got out to a lead 7-0 on a Debo touchdown, and Myers field goal cut it to 7-3, and McCaffrey touchdown made it 14-3, and then Geno gets picked off later in the half. McCaffrey's second touchdown made it 21-3. Niners punt, Seahawks muff it, sets up a moody field goal, and then at the end of the half, Seahawks get into field goal range, but Myers misses it. So, we go to the half, 24-3. Niners in control, but then Purdy tipped, and it's gone back for a pick six. So Seahawks theoretically back in the game, down 14. Then instead of getting a touchdown to really close the gap, they only had a field goal, and then Purdy hits Ayuk, 31-13. Seahawks had fourth and one at the Niner, 21, and it turned it over on downs, and that's all she wrote in that one. All right, so from Thanksgiving to Black Friday, the first NFL Black Friday game, and I saw a lot of people being like, this is weird. The, the NFL shouldn't be thick. Maybe I'm just so um, desensitized to, like, football being on at whatever time. Like, because of the COVID games, we played on a Tuesday. What we play on a Wednesday as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, where we've seen some games be on weird days at weird times and all that kind of stuff. So, the Black Friday game, was it interesting? Did it seem? It didn't seem out of place to me. Maybe that's a sign of how good the NFL is at doing this, where why not have a football game? Why not have a pro football game? I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. You know what I'm saying? But I saw a lot of people being like, this is weird. This shouldn't be happening. Like, other games are... Listen, this is the NFL we're talking about, folks. Like, they will try to steal a nickel from a kid on the corner. That's just what it is. And that kid could be wearing a New York football Giants hat in the middle of Times Square there. Anyway, Dolphins beat the Jets on the Black Friday game, 34-13. Dolphins had a fourth and two of the Jet four. Incompletion resulted in a turnover on downs. They got it back. They got a field goal to get the scoring started. Then two at a Tyree kill, touchdown. Two of them threw a pick six. So the end of the half was crazy here. Missed extra points. So it's 10-6 Dolphins. Then Tua throws a pick with two seconds left in the half. And the Jets are like, let's throw a Hail Mary. Boyle throws a Hail Mary. It's picked off by Holland, and he runs it 99 yards back the other way. Dolphins lead 17-6 at half. And then they do the solid interview, and then the first commercial was a solid toothpaste commercial. So that's really bad. If you're solid there, you got to say, listen, I, I can't do the interview right now. I'm really sorry. This might be unprofessional. I, I, I'll talk to you after the half. Like, I cannot. Do, you can't put me on TV right now. This is really bad. But he did the interview, so I guess he gets credit for that. Whatever. Anyway. Uh, two at a waddle, big play, sets up a Sanders field goal, then a Mostert touchdown made it 27-6. Boyle pass, tipped and picked. Two then fumbled. A lot of turnovers for Tua today, uh, or today, on Friday. It was not good enough there. Boyle, the Garrett Wilson touchdown, but then a Mostert touchdown made it 34-13. The Phillips injury is big for the Dolphins. I thought he was coming along and having a really, really big season for them. It was going to be a, a really dynamic player for them, especially if they went to the second half and into the playoffs. Um, as a playmaker on that side of the ball. So that's a tough loss uh, for them. And, you, and if you watch the slow-mo, you can see his Achilles pop. That's crazy. 
that's crazy. MetLife sucks. I've been telling you that for years. That place is an air conditioner. Um, the Metal Lands is a horrific, horrific place. All right, Jacksonville-Houston in the AFC South showdown. Jags win at 24-21. A McManus field goal got the scoring started. Then a Lawrence touchdown made it 10-0. Stroud to Tank Dell touchdown got the Texans on the board and within three, and then a McManus field goal made it a six-point game. Then Amendola missed field goal for the Texans. Jags take over, throwing 40, 20 seconds left, two timeouts. Lawrence to Kirk, huge play, and then they got a really nearly – it was almost an untimed down, but it wasn't. It was, it was a timed down, but it was the last play of the half. They elect to run a play and not kick a field goal. ETN gets stuffed to end the first half. Lawrence then got picked off. It led to a Stroud touchdown. So the Texans back in it within one, down 14-13. Then a couple of flags keep the next Jags drive alive. Drive ends and a Lawrence to Ridley touchdown. Then they can uh, they combine again for the Octopus for the two-point play, as they call it. So it's 21-14. Then a McManus field goal made it 24-14. Texans had fourth and one at their own 46. They turned over on downs. McManus field goal missed. So here come the Texans. Stroud to Collins touchdown. They're within three. Texans get it back. Stroud takes a big sack, but they're still within, you know, uh, whispering distance of a long field goal. So it's 34 seconds left. Amendola from 58 yards to tie it. Hits the crossbar and stays out. A brutal way to lose a game. Elation for the Jaguars and oh, just a brutal, brutal way to end the game on the wrong end for the Houston Texans. So Jags avenge the loss in Jacksonville, get one back on their division opponents. And then Lawrence asked after the game about CJ Stroud being in his division for the next, what, 10 seasons or whatever he goes. I wish they didn't have him. I wish they had bad players on the other team, basically. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was pretty good. So I had the over there, and that field goal would have at least pushed it, and then we would have had an overtime, possibly. But um, it is what it is. That was a tough loss. All right, Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. Stillers win at 16-10. They just keep finding ways to win football games. Even though Warren fumbled early, Steelers get it back. Boswell field goal puts them on the board first. Then a big kickoff return set up a Browning to sample touchdown. So the Bengals in front, 7-3. Then first possession of the second half. Browning gets picked, leads to a Najee Harris touchdown, and then back-to-back -back Boswell field goals made it 13-7, 16-7. Mixon, big run, set up a McPherson field goal with 2.04 left to make it 16-10. And Tomlin is such a good coach because you could tell he coaches his guys up and the special teams coach, whoever the special teams coach is there right now, the coaching point of saying catch the ball and don't go down right away, waste the clock to get the two-minute warning so they don't have any timeouts so we can kneel it as soon as we take possession of the ball after this play is over, that's genius. That's absolutely genius. Um, they would have had to run a play, and then theoretically they would have had to run like a fourth down. Either he runs backwards and then throws the ball up in the air, like that kind of play, but instead... They didn't have to, which is great. Uh, it's outstanding coaching. So, Steelers win again. Those pesky Pittsburgh Steelers keep finding ways to win football games. All right, Carolina-Tennessee, the last game of the Coach uh, Coach Frank Reich era. 
in Carolina. Titans went at 17-10. A Derrick Henry run got the scoring started. A Pinheiro field goal cut the lead to 7-3. Bryce Young then fumbled, set up a second Derrick Henry touchdown, 14-3. And a Folk field goal made it 17-3 at the half. First possession of the third quarter, Panthers came out strong. It ended in a Chuba Hubbard touchdown. So the Titans lead cut to seven. Then we had seven punts in a row. Then we had the Panthers, fourth and six at their own 24. They turn it over on downs. That is all she wrote, folks. And Frank Ray got fired. All right. NFC South matchup for first place. Saints, Falcons. Falcons win it 24-15. to 15. A groupie field goal got the scoring started. Falcons fourth and two at the Saints 31. They turn it over on downs. But then Carr threw a pick six, so they got points out of that drive somehow, some way. I guess you could argue it. So... 7-3 after the car pick six Atlanta in front. Groupie field goal cut the lead to one, and then a Bijan Robinson lead increased the lead to eight. Groupie field goal cut it to 14-9, his third field goal. Ritter picked off half end shortly after. A fourth groupie field goal made it 14-12. Ritter gets picked off again. Saints driving and going in until Taysom Hill fumbles. Ritter to Robinson on the wheel, 21-12. A fifth groupie field goal cut it to 21-15, but then a coup field goal increased the lead back to 24-15-9. Uh, and then the Saints tried to kick a field goal to extend the game. It would have been groupie six. He misses it. Falcons kneel it out. And that's how the Falcons are in first place in the NFC South. Tampa and Indy. Indy wins it 27-20. Bake gets hurt, but he comes back in eventually. McLaughlin field goal gets a scoring start there. A Matt Gay field goal tied us at three. Bake back in. He gets picked. It's set up a Jonathan Taylor touchdown. Colts get it back. Minshew gets into the end zone, so it's 17-3. Then the Colts get it back again. He gets picked off. Minshew does. Sets up a Bake to Mike Evans touchdown. 17-10. A Gay field goal missed. Ends the half. First possession of the third quarter, Gay gets that field goal, so the lead is 10. Colts fourth and six at the Tampa 40. Turnover on downs, another bake to Evans touchdown, cut the lead to three. A second Jonathan Taylor touchdown increased it back to 10. McLaughlin field goal cut it to seven for the Bucks, but then uh, they get it back. Big strip sack, Colts recover, and then a Taylor run for a first down. Sealed it. Next up, Pat G-Men at MetLife. Giants win at 10-7. Mac Jones started for the Pats. Giants end up fumbling the end-around exchange between DeVito and Robinson. Mac gets picked off. Pats get it back. Mac gets picked off again. DeVito, Hodgins, touchdown, 7-0 G-Men. Half-end, same score. Zappy in to start the third quarter. Pats go down the field. It's a Stevenson touchdown run to tie it at 7, but then Zappy picked off. Bullock field goal gives the Giants the lead, 10-7. And then Zappy gets the Pats in field goal range for Rhineland. To miss the game-tying field goal. Giants win it 10-7. DeVito gets a win as a starting quarterback. Afternoon slate, Cleveland, Denver. Denver wins at 29-12. That's the winning streak continuing for the Denver Broncos. Give them credit. Uh, Russ to Sutton, a big play, set up a Piron touchdown, 7-0. Then a fourth-and-one play for the Browns. Bryant, the tight end, came up under center, ends up fumbling the snap. Russ then fumbled, but the Broncos get it back. A Russ touchdown run made it 14-0. Browns on the boards with... Uh, two Hopkins field goals, 14-6 at the end of the first half. Then Browns started off well in the second half. DCR to Bryant, touchdown. They go for the two to tie it. They don't get it. So Denver up to 
a Lutz field goal made the lead five. DTR gets hurt. P.J. Walker comes in. Elijah Moore fumbles, sets up a rust to Troutman touchdown. They had to review it. It was uh, overturned. So Denver in front by 12, then fourth and 14 at the Denver 33. Walker sacked, turnover on downs. Lutz field goal made it 27-12. Browns fourth and eight at their own 42. They turn it over on downs, and then Walker ends up getting sacked for a safety to make it 29-12. So a tough go for it uh, by the Browns. Unfortunate, but hey, give the Broncos credit. Won another game. Rams, Cardinals told you that I like Stafford and McVay more than I like Gannon and Murray, and that really proved to be true. Stafford to Higby got the scoring started 7-0. Then the Cardinals actually went up 8-7 after a Kyler Murray run. They went for two and got it. Stafford to Higby touchdown, his second connection, made it 14-8. Harvesick misses a field goal. Then the Cardinals had fourth and two at their own 48. They turn it over on down. Stafford, Kylan Williams touchdown, made it 28-8. Stafford gets picked off. Last play of the half is a Prater field goal. He makes it, but it comes back on a hold. And since the... It was a foul on the offense. They don't have to re-snap the ball. The, the half can end. They can accept the penalty and also it end, which is crazy. Um, good rule. Harvestick field goal made a 24-8. Prater misses a field goal. Stafford to Williams, 31-8. Freeman touchdown, 37-8. And then Murray to Dortch. Garbage time. Bills, Eagles, Eagles win it overtime, 37-34, and just be, just listen carefully to what I'm about to say. The Eagles are a very good football team. That also has a horseshoe up their butt. <laughs> they can be good and lucky. There's nothing, like, just acknowledge both. Because some of the things I'm seeing is crazy. And I'll get into the game in a second, but this seems like a season where, like, I'll give you an example. I'll give you two examples, one that went either way. Because in the Eagles Super Bowl, besides Wentz getting hurt, I mean, you can argue that propelled them because even though he was playing well, Foles dueled Brady, right? Besides that, everything was going right for them. Every fourth down Peterson went for, they converted. Every big decision, every replay, it was going their way. And they won a Super Bowl out of it. Or it could go the other way, like TCU last year, who would win out. They won every game. And it was in miraculous ways. And, no way. and then it caught up to them in the national championship where they got smoked. Okay, so... And there were TCU fans last year that wouldn't acknowledge that they were being lucky. And they, they had luck on their side. Now, just say, if you're an Eagle fan, like you could say, like you could say, AJ, you're being a hitter. I'm not. You're a very good football team. You're probably the best team in the league. That doesn't also mean that you can be lucky. They, show, they should not only have one loss. You can't argue with me about that. The, the Bills have a lead here in the second half. They have a lead here in overtime. Uh, you got to find a way to win the football game. And the Eagles, give them credit. 
continue to find ways to win football games. But coming from behind is not a sustainable way to win in this league long term. So let's see how this plays out. If they continue to keep having bad first halves and turn again, I think I said this in October. Have the Eagles played a 60-minute game? Probably not. So we'll see what happens. And Hurts played well. Give him credit. I'm not taking anything away from the Eagles. But you also can acknowledge that they are very lucky. With calls. With the bounces of the ball. With the bounces of the ball for the other team. You know? So all these things can be true. They could be the best team in the league. They could also be one of the luckiest teams. These things are all true. Are they not? So anyway, Eagles win at 37-34 in overtime. A Jalen Hurts touchdown got the scoring started. A Bass field goal cut the lead to three. Then Hurts pass tipped and picked. Josh Allen quarterback draw touchdown put the Bills in front. Then Bills driving again. Allen horse collar no call. Instead they call grounding. It leads to a field goal attempt that Bass gets tipped. And blocked, so no points out of that drive. Then Hurts in game while fumble leads to an Allen and Diggs touchdown. 17-7, the half end shortly after that. Then the Bills driving again, can't get into the end zone. Bass misses a field goal. Hurts to A.J. Brown, touchdown. Lead cut to three. Then Allen with his second rushing touchdown give the Bills credit. They went right back down the field and put the lead back to 10. But then Hurts to Devontae Smith, touchdown, cut it to three. Allen then threw a pick. Eagles set up. Hurts as a Zacchaeus touchdown. Made it 28-24. Bills need a drive and give the Bills credit. Allen to Davis, touchdown, 31-28. So he gives them the lead once with 151 left. Two timeouts for the Eagles. Elliott, 59-yard field goal, ties it at 31. Bills had two timeouts. and 20, One timeout, 20 seconds left. They elect to go to overtime. And then... He misses Gabe Davis, which should have been a touchdown. They kick the field goal, and then it comes down the other end, and Hurts runs in a touchdown to win the game. So, give the Eagles credit. They win again. Find another way to win again. Kansas City and Vegas, Chiefs win at 31-17. If you're like, Asia, you're so, so. Yeah, I am. They're a good football team. They don't need all the luck in the world. But they get it. So, we'll see what happens. Again, it could be like the Eagles Super Bowl run with Peterson. They got all the luck, all, and it all worked out fine. Or it could be like TCU last year. And at some point, that slipper is going to fall off. At some point, that pumpkin. It's going to appear. So we'll see. We'll see. This is not what the Eagles are doing is not sustainable. Going down double digits in first halves and exp and coming back like that, we're, we got a tough team. Team knows how to win. And by the way, Sirianni, I'm here. He slept at his office Monday and Tuesday night. Drug test him. Drug test him right now. What is he on? If he has prescriptions for focusing drugs, fine. If he doesn't, arrest him. Arrest him. That's all I'm going to say. Right, anyway, Cleveland, uh, Cleveland, Kansas City, Vegas. Chiefs went to 31 17. 
And this started a very, very bad way for the Chiefs. O'Connell Myers touchdown. Carlson misses a field goal. Could have been 10-0, but it ends up being 14-0 with a long Jacobs touchdown run. So it's 14-0. A Pacheco touchdown gets the Chiefs on the board, and then the Mahomes to Watson touchdown. Ties it at 14 half end shortly after. Mahomes to Pacheco sets up a Pacheco touchdown. Chiefs in front, 21-14. Carlson field goal cuts it to four, but then Chiefs answer with a Mahomes to Rice touchdown to make it 28-17. Raiders, fourth and one at their own 19. They go for it, turnover on downs. Bucker field goal makes it 31-17, and then the Raiders... Fourth and 21 at their own 30. They turn it over on downs again. And that's all she wrote for Kansas City, who Mahomes has only lost one in-division road game. And that was this year. Baltimore and the L.A. Chargers on Sunday night. Ravens win it 20-10. to 10, And it, they didn't need to be impressive, to be honest. The Chargers just continue to find ways to lose. That's just what they do. And they started the game off well with a Dicker field goal that gave them a lead, but a Lamar to Jones touchdown made it 7-3. Ravens had fourth and one. They turned over on downs. Herbert to Allen. He fumbles. It leads to a Tucker field goal. So it's 10-3 Ravens. Herbert Eckler, he fumbles. Again, I think Herbert's great. But the people just blindly knocking Justin Herbert without looking at the games and watching the games. Like, it's his fault. Eckler and Allen fumble now. Come on. What are we doing? Ravens, fourth and 14. They turned over on downs. Herbert gets picked off on a Hail Mary to end the half, so they'll be like, he threw an interception? Like, it was at the end of the half. It didn't matter. First possession in the third quarter, Tucker Fugel makes a 13-3, then Herbert sack fumble. That one you can get on. Chargers get it back. Herbert, huge scramble, sets up a Herbert to Everett touchdown. So they're within three, 13-10. Then the Chargers have to get off the field. They're forced a field goal attempt or do something, right? If, if you force a field goal attempt, fine. You're down uh, six instead of three. He's going to make it. They force a field goal attempt, and Tucker misses it. Inside 50, he misses. He never misses. So the Chargers get it back. Three timeouts, plenty of time, 257 left. But they're faced nearly immediately with a fourth and six at the Baltimore 46. Herbert gets sacked, turnover on downs, then a third and three. A Zay Flowers run makes it 20 to 10. And that's all she wrote because the Chargers, fourth and 14, incompletion, turn it over on downs. Seals it for the Ravens. Good win on Sunday night on the road. Chargers, I mean, Staley has to go. I mean, enough's enough. Enough is enough. Free my guy, Justin Herbert. It's terrible out there. All right, Sunday night to Monday night. NFC North matchup. Bears in Minnesota taking on the Vikings. Bears win a 12-10. Another thriller on a primetime game. We uh, have a Santos missed field goal to start the notes here. Then Santos field goal makes it 3-0. Dobbs throws his first pick. Vikings hit it back. Dobbs throws a second pick. But the Vikings get into field goal range. Joseph Fugel ties it to end the half, 3-3. Then second half action. Vikings fourth and seven. Their side of midfield. Turnover on downs. It leads to a Santos field goal. So the Bears go back in front by three. They're up 6-3. A Dobbs pass gets tipped in the air. Picked a third time. Third Santos field goal makes it Bears 9-3. Then Dobbs picked again. But Fields fumbles it back. So no, uh, no points there. In fact, on that drive, Dobbs to Hawkinson, touchdown. Minnesota Vikings in front, 10-9. Then Fields scrambles, fumbles again. Bears get it back. No timeouts, 229 left. Fields hits more for a chunk play. He hits more for another chunk play into field goal range. A Santos field goal with 10 seconds left puts the Bears in front, 12-10. And then the Vikings try the lateral play. Bears end up recovering, and that's all she wrote. Bears get a win that they're not going to want, but they still have the Panthers pick, so does it really matter? I don't know. It's a weird 
spot to be in for Chicago, who might have their quarterback, might not, wants to lose games, but do they want to? So it's, it's a weird situation in Chicago. And for Minnesota, they came on the air talking about this team is a playoff team. This team, this, the Vikings stink. Okay, I don't care what anybody says. Dobbs is a nice story. Everybody come back to earth. You know, the Geno story last year is a nice story. It came back to earth. The Dobbs story is a, Everybody come back down to earth, especially this astronaut guy. Okay? Um, so, Bears get a road win in division on Monday night. All right. Pros to the student-athletes. College football week 13. Got to start with the game. Number two, Ohio State. Number three, Michigan. Michigan win it. 32-24 couple punts early, then a Kyle McCord pick set up a fourth and goal. Blake Corum touchdown run, 7-0 Wolverines early. Ohio State answered with a field goal. Then a J.J. McCarthy at a Roman Wilson touchdown put the Wolverines up 14-3. But Ohio State answers with a McCord to Abuka touchdown. So feeling then misses a field goal for Ohio State that would have ended the half a one-point deficit instead it was that still deficit of four. A Turner field goal for Michigan started the scoring of the second half, so it's 17-10. A hand Henderson touchdown for Ohio State on the ground ties the game at 17. Corum touchdown, 24-17. Turner field goal for Michigan. They could have iced it. They couldn't. Uh, they could only get a field goal there. So it was 27-17. McCord to Harrison. They needed it. They got it. Cut the lead to three. But then Michigan does a great job of driving the ball enough forcing Ohio State to call some timeouts, and the drive ends in a Turner field goal. So they're up six that makes Ohio State come all the way down the field and beat them with the touchdown instead of continuing the game with the field goal. And honestly, McCord had the Buckeyes on the move, and he had hit Harrison a couple times, but then a McCord pass over the middle, picked off by Michigan. That seals it. I talked about in the preview that Michigan got off the field with turnovers where Ohio State kind of just got off the field by – uh, not letting the other team convert third downs. Michigan's ability to take the ball away presented itself where Ohio State had not really taken the ball away all year, and when they needed to take the ball away in this game, they couldn't do it. You know what I mean? So um, give Michigan all the credit in the world. That's three in a row. Ryan Day can't beat them, um, which is crazy. Ryan Day is, what, 40 and know. In conference, the three losses are to Michigan, which is crazy. Um, but I said about Ohio State, when you only play two to three games a year and you lose the biggest one, you don't go to the playoff. Like, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, they beat Notre Dame on the road by one point when Notre Dame should have won the game. And then they beat a Penn State team that I'm tired of hearing about Penn State. Until they beat Michigan or, or Ohio State, I'm tired of hearing about how good Penn State is and how Penn State's the dark horse to come out of the Big Ten. And Penn State is, is going to be in the playoff this year because they're going to beat Michigan and beat Ohio State. No, they're not. They're not going to. They're not going to do that ever. Okay, I don't care anymore. So I'm done hearing about Penn State. Don't talk to me about Penn State being a quality win or whatever. Enough. Enough with Penn State. So when you beat Notre Dame by one, whatever you did, in that close game, you beat Penn State fine, but then you lose to Michigan, you're out for me. I'm sorry. So that was that game. Georgia and Georgia Tech in Atlanta. Georgia wins a 31-23. Tech had a 10-7 lead at the end of the first quarter, but Georgia led 21-13 at the half. UGA had a 10-0 third quarter, but Tech had a 10-0 fourth quarter. Not enough for the comeback. Washington hosting Washington State Apple Cup. Last time is Pac-12. 
Uh, members, Washington wins at 24-21. A Johnson touchdown and a Cam Ward touchdown pass nodded it early at 7. Wazoo then turned it over on downs. Gross missed a field goal. Ward got picked, so that was the sequencing there. Penix and Ward, a pair of touchdown passes, nodded it at 14 before we went to the break. Penix threw a pick to start the second half. Wazoo missed a field goal. Two drives later, last play of the third quarter, Penix, another touchdown pass to Aduze. Ward picked off. Wazoo gets it back. Ward answers with a third touchdown pass. That tied it at 21. And then Penix moved the Huskies into field goal range for Gross to win, a uh, win it with the field goal as time expired. Huskies remain unbeaten. 24-21. Florida State, Florida. FSU wins at 24-15. Gators jumped out to a 12-0 lead. Roadmaker got knocked out of the game but comes back in. Benson, three rushing touchdowns. Powered the Knolls past the Gators. Big win for them in Gainesville. Oregon blows out Oregon State. It was 31-7, 21-7 at half. <laughs> Texas Tech and Texas, Texas hammers Texas Tech, 57-7. Longhorns, 26-7 at the half and a 31-0 second half. Bama-Auburn. Bama wins at 27-24 in the Iron Bowl. 7-7 in the first quarter. Bama got a field goal. Auburn answered with a touchdown to take a lead, 14-10. A Milrow touchdown pass to Burton gave the tie to 17-14 lead at the break. Another Bama field goal increased the lead to 20-14. Auburn touchdown pass put them in front, 21-20. Reichert missed a field goal. McPherson field goal increases the Auburn lead to 24-20. Bama has to punt. Basically... Ended the game almost. They would have to get the ball back immediately, but Auburn muffs it. So Bama's set up, right? All they got to do is get in the end zone, right? Well, he takes a sack. Then the ball goes over his head. They're faced with fourth. Oh, no, he didn't. Did he take his? No, he threw, he threw the ball over the line. He, in a legal forward pass. He went over the line, came back to throw it. So that plus the snap over his head, fourth and 31. He just throws a touchdown pass, Monroe does, to win the Iron Bowl. Are you kidding me? Bama 27, Auburn 24. So those are the teams with the playoff implications. Mizzou hammers Arkansas 48-14. Kentucky beat Louisville 38-31, and Stoops is going to stay. More on that in a second. Penn State hammers Michigan State 42-0. Ole Miss beats Mississippi State 17-7. Oh, Mississippi State was up in the third quarter and lost that game. Oklahoma TCU was exciting. 69-45. Sooners win that one. LSU handles AM 42-30. Arizona beats Arizona State 52-23. Nebraska loses to Iowa 13-10. Nebraska had a game-tying field goal attempt at the death to force overtime, and they missed it. So Iowa beats Nebraska. Notre Dame handles Stanford 56-23. Iowa State upsets Kansas State 42-35. Oklahoma State beats BYU 40-34. Tennessee handles Vandy 48-24. NC State beats UNC 39-20. Tulane beats UTSA. Clemson beats South Carolina. Even in a down year for Clemson, they still beat South Carolina. And Liberty handles UTEP. All right, so my college football rankings. Personally, I put Michigan 1 because... Did they have the strongest out of conference? No. But in the big game, two versus three, because Georgia ain't going to play two or three in the regular season, right? Michigan will. 
or Ohio State will, vice versa, whatever, you, you know what I'm saying? So Michigan goes one for me. Georgia's two. I put Washington three and Oregon four because of the quarterback thing with Florida State. Florida State, I still give credit to at five. Bama is better than Texas, even though Texas beat them. You could argue with me. I don't care. Um, and Ohio State is eighth. And you're going to say, well, how can Ohio State – Ohio State, you just said the Michigan win is a great win. How is it a bad loss for Ohio State? It's not necessarily a bad loss for Ohio State. But when you play the team the last week of the regular season and you lose, and that's the lasting impression for the committee, and you're not getting in. I'm sorry. I'm not letting you in. So I have them last out of the eight. I have Michigan, Georgia, Washington, Oregon, Florida State, Bama, Texas, Ohio State. And honestly, I would rank Bama and Texas probably ahead of Florida State as well. Without Travis. What I think they will be, I think Georgia will remain one, Michigan two, Washington three, Florida State four, Oregon at five. I think they'll slide Ohio State to six because they'll say Ohio State's loss is better than Texas's loss. And even though Bama's loss is to Texas, it's not as better of a loss than Ohio State's is. Now, my argument last year about two lost Bama getting in above Ohio State was that Bama lost the, both games on the last play of the game on the road. Ohio State did not lose the game on the last play of the game in this one. You could say, well, they had a chance to win. They were losing the whole game, basically, besides when it was tied 17. They were losing the whole game. All right, so that's that. So I think it'll be Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Florida State, then Oregon, Ohio State, Texas, Bama. Michigan winning in, loss, I would say they're probably still in. Georgia winning in, loss, I would say they're probably still in. Washington winning in, loss, I would say they're out because Oregon would take their spot. Florida State, I would say winning most likely in. A loss probably keeps them out. Oregon, I want to say, winning in regardless of what happens around them. If they beat Washington, they should take their spot kind of a thing. Texas needs to win and might need some help. Bama needs win and a little help for sure. And depending on how the committee ranks these teams by the one losses, we'll know how much help each team will need to get to that threshold of four. So we'll talk more about that on Thursday's show. I mentioned Mark Stoops staying at Kentucky. Why? Well, he was supposed to go to A&M. So much so that the A&M fan base might have uh, revolted. Okay? And they changed targets to Mike Elko from Duke. And Mike Elko was there in College Station on Monday getting announced. Doing, uh, singing the victory, singing the song. Like, if you, if you take it out of context, it looks really bad. But... Having a family member that went to A&M, going down there for a game day, it's a hell of an experience. Now, it could be a hell of an experience and also be a cult. And it could be a hell of an experience filled with people that have no self-awareness. So, like, maybe cut the cameras before you do the Aggie song with everybody in the... So, like, did the members of the media, like, lock horn, like, did you do the, the swaying, too? Like, what what are we doing here? I don't know. So, Elko goes to A&M, 
And Jeff Lebby, who was an old Miss assistant and an Oklahoma assistant, is now going to be the head coach at Mississippi State. So good luck to him. All right, footy now. Weekend soccer recap matchup of 1-2 and two in the EPL. It did not disappoint. Man City Liverpool finished 1-1, and Erling Holland goal put the hosts up at the Etihad, but a second-half equalizer from the vice captain, Trent Alexander-Arnold, split the points and gave Liverpool a result against Man City at the Etihad. What a match. Finishes 1-1. Sheffield United, Bournemouth. Bournemouth win at 3-1. Tavernier, Cleavert, and Tavernier for his brace. McBurnley got one back for Sheffield United, but it was all too little too late. Forrest, Brighton. Brighton win at 3-2. Alanga put the hosts up 1-0. Ferguson equalizer. Then Jao Pedro had a brace, second one being a penalty, and the lead was 3-1 Brighton. Dunk got a yellow. Then... He got a red in 30 seconds. Gibbs White penalty makes it uh, Forrest chasing the game 2-3. They almost level it, but they can't, and that's how Brighton got the, th the three points away from home. Newcastle and Chelsea at St. James Park set up for a big match here. Newcastle win it 4-1. Isak got the scoring started, and then a Raheem Sterling free kick. That was an awesome equalizer. Got Chelsea on the board, but then... Lascelles, Joe Ellington, a couple goals in a couple minutes, and then Reese James gets sent off for two yellow card offenses, and Anthony Gordon scores against 10 men, Chelsea. Uh, Luton Town beat Crystal Palace. What a big result for Luton Town at Kenilworth. 2-1. Uh, Mangi got the scoring started. Elise, who's back for Roy Hodgson's Crystal Palace, who's a player I admire and think is going to be a, a superstar in this game, got the equalizer for Crystal Palace, but then Brown won it for Luton Town. West Ham beat Burnley at Turf Moor 2-1. A Rodriguez penalty got the hosts on the board and in front 1-0. But then an own goal equalizer and a Suchek stoppage time winner gave the three points to David Moyes' West Ham. Brentford Arsenal, London Derby. Arsenal win at 1-0. A Kai Havertz header at the back post. The lone goal in that match. Ramsdale with a clean sheet ahead of the injured Raya. Tottenham Villa. Villa win at 2-1. Tottenham are in trouble with the injuries, with the suspensions. Um, we talked about this at the start of the season when everybody's excited about Tottenham. I said, they have 11 guys. If one of them or two of them get hurt, they're in trouble. Well, not only are one or two of them hurt, like three of them are hurt and a couple suspended. So they're in trouble. That being said, they were in the game and actually scored first. LaCelso put Tottenham up 1-0, but then a Pau Torres set-piece goal leveled it, and then Ole Watkins made it 2-1 Villa for Unai Emery. Everton, Man U on Sunday. This was supposed to be a big, big showing for Everton. Um, after the 10-point deduction, all that kind of stuff, they wanted to have a big result. And Garnacho and Man U ruined it because Garnacho's bicycle kick made it 1-0 in route to a 3-0, and the ground never really recovered from that. Um, they were rambunctious. They were rowdy. They were ready to go. And then Garnacho pulls that move, and the United fans go crazy, and the Everton fans really were quiet the rest of the match. Uh, Rashford penalty made it 2-0, and a Martial goal made it 3. Fulman Wolves on Monday. Fun goal here. Fulman at uh, fun goal here. Fun game here. Fulman at 3-2. Awobi got the scoring started, then a Cunha equalizer. William Penn put Fulham up 2-1, but then Hawang Penn made it 2-2, and then another foul. Committed by Wolves in the area. Led to a second William Penn. And he picked up his brace. And the winner, 3-2 Fulham. La Liga. 
Uh, Barcelona and Real Vicano 1-1. Atletico beat Mallorca 1-0 on a Griezmann goal. And Real Madrid beat Cadiz 3-0. Rodrigo, Brace, and a Bellingham goal. Serie A. San Martino beat Lazio 2-1. Napoli beat Atalanta away from home 2-1. Cravicella, the goal scorer there. One of them. AC Milan beat Florentino 1-0. And Hernandez, Penn, Roma beat Udinese 3-1. Dybala, El Shawari, the goal scorers amongst Jose Mourinho's side. And Juve, Inter, draw 1-1. Latoro Martinez scoring for Inter. Vlahovic, the equalizer for Juventus. Or the, the German Bundesliga clone in Bayern Munich. It's that man again, Harry Kane, the difference maker for Bayern Munich. They win 1-0. Leverkusen beat Bremen 3-0. Leipzig lose to Wolfsburg 2-1. Dortmund beat Gladbach 4-2. Sabitzer, Fulkrug, and Malen. The goal scorers there for Dortmund. Liga and PSG. Monaco, PSG went 5-2. Ramos, Mbappe, Dembele, Vitinha, and Kolo Manani scoring there. And Nice beat Toulouse 1-0. All right. Champions League match day 5. Group E, F, G, H games on Tuesday. Group E. Atletico's on 8 points. Lazio on 7. Feyenoord on 6. So anybody could come out of those three. Uh, Celtic one point through four games. They are in trouble, folks. They're going to be eliminated. So Lazio hosts Celtic. Fenerbahce hosts Atletico. So these are going to be very interesting games to see how it will play out for match day six. Um, Fenerbahce can still win the group if they win two matches. You know what I'm saying? So um, Group E is all to play for. Group F, everything is to play for. Dortmund at seven points. PSG at six. Milan at five. Newcastle at four. PSG hosts Newcastle. And Dortmund travel to Italy to take on Milan. The Group F matches this week are going to be insane. Looking very forward to those. Uh, Group G, City four wins from four. Rebel Leipzig have nine points, so it's really if City get caught by Rebel Leipzig for first place in this league, in this uh, group because both Red Star and Young Boys have one point each. So City play Rebel Leipzig, and this is for uh, match day six to matter. Uh, for Rebel Leipzig, I guess. Group H, Porto and Barcelona both on nine points. So uh, Shakhtar's on six, Antwerp none. So Barca and Porto could really, I don't want to say decide the group because they can't, but one of them could take a really, really big step forward on this match day five. Uh, group A, B, C, D on Wednesday. Bayern clinched the group in Group A. Copenhagen, Galatasaray on four, United on three points. So Bayern play at Copenhagen and Galatasaray host Man United in Turkey. United owe them from beating them at Old Trafford. We'll see what happens in that one. Group B, Arsenal's on nine points. PSV and Len on five. Sevilla on two. So Sevilla, we know, are the Europa League merchants. They got to make a move just to get the third place in this pool. Uh, so we'll see what happens in Group B. Group C, Real, four wins from four. Clinch the next round. Napoli on seven points. Braga on three. So, realistically, Braga would have to win both games and have some help. But um, most likely, it's Real and Napoli coming out of Group C, 1-2. Real Madrid play Napoli. Braga hosts Union Berlin. And in Group D, Real Sociedad and Inter both on ten points. Rebels Salzburg on three. Benfica, four losses from four. They host the runners-up from last year, Inter Milan, in Portugal on Wednesday. And Real Sociedad welcome in Red Bull Salzburg. All right, college basketball. Nova wins Atlantis. You're going to hear more about Nova as the season goes on in the Big East. Baylor won the NIT tip-off. Baylor's a really good team. Arizona handles Michigan State. Michigan State, I thought, played better, and we're going to hear from Michigan State later in the season for sure, but they did not get off to the season, the start of the season that I thought they would. FAU wins the ESPN Events Invitational in a solid field. Oklahoma beats USC in the Children's Invitational. BYU knocks off NC State. And then the Emerald Coast Classic 
You thought it was going to be Bama and Oregon in the final. Both of those teams lost. So it was Ohio State and Santa Clara, and Bama beat Oregon in the in the third place game anyway. So they played, but they both lost before that. So Oregon gets two losses on the weekend. All right, this week it's the ACC SEC Challenge. We got Mississippi State taking on Georgia Tech, Notre Dame and South Carolina, LSU Syracuse, good game, Miami and Kentucky, good game, Mizzou Pitt. NC State Ole Miss, Clemson, Bama, Duke, Arkansas is a great game, Tennessee, UNC is a great game, A&M, UVA is a good game, Florida, Wigan, BC, not really, Georgia, Florida State, not really, Vatek, Auburn, okay, there's some good games here, not great games, but some good games in this ACC, SEC challenge, why, because they, they're not doing the ACC Big Ten anymore, because there's too many teams, I don't know, who the hell cares anymore, what a joke. All right, uh, so we'll keep an eye on college basketball, and now we'll do the picks portion of the show. So our pool locks two and one on the week, twenty and eight overall. Detroit was a loss at home against Green Bay. Cowboys went at home against the Commanders. Tennessee Titans went at home against the Carolina Panthers. So two and one for our pool locks, twenty eight and eight on the season. Pick six, another five and one week, up to forty thirty and two. That's a pretty good record. Primetime unders have been the catalyst, but I'm also doing pretty good in the other spots as well. Um, 40, 30, and 2, another 5 and 1 week. San Francisco, Seattle, under 45 was a winner. Jacksonville, Houston, over 48. That was nearly a push and probably going to be a winner if he makes that field goal. And also, there were multiple missed kicks by both kickers. Um, they had opportunities for touchdowns instead. So that game sure went over. It is what it is. Rams plus one, that line moved to them giving three. So if you saw that, like I understand you being pissed off. I also picked it on Tuesday night. Um, sorry, Wednesday night. Um, Bills plus four. I was getting worried there about, you know, the scores with the overtime. So that's a winner. Chargers hosting the Ravens under 48 winner. And then Monday night, Bears, Vikings under 44, the fifth winner. And another primetime under. Um, victory so listen i mean we're gonna keep going primetime unders it's just the play it's just the play to, to to make for pick six so all right everybody um we will talk to you on thursday with a uh champions league match day five recap and a look at nfl week 13 and college football conference championship games so all that more on thursday's show look ahead to the weekend footy as well we'll talk to you then until then peace Check out his podcast. That sounds like my kind of podcast. Football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Sounds like me.